Welcome. Give me five points. Our current episode. Rob, why do you sound like you're narrating a golf tournament? I bet he just got like a leather chair and a silk bathrobe, and he's just trying it out. I am. He sounds I sultry tonight. I don't like it. I like it. Yo, yo. Real talk. Down I needed to do this song. Yeah, I'm a nerd. It's a big secret, but I'm a nerd. And I love these books. If you watch it on HBO and think you know what's going on, I appreciate that. The people who waited five years for dance, this one's for you. Check it. Anyway, so we're going to jump into the coverage of what is now last night's episode two of season eight of Game of Thrones. I'm going to go ahead and say it, even though if you don't understand this, you are a complete moron, but there's going to be lots and lots of spoilers as this is a recap show. We're going to mm-hmm. recap the episode, drop in our own comments, and then, uh, you know, maybe make some predictions and maybe, I don't know, we're going to do some stuff. And uh, also, we, at the moment, still have a contest going on. It's still going. It is, it is still valid. Enter. So if you check out our Libsyn page or our Facebook page, you can find a link to a uh, survey. I think it's like Survey Robot, uh, little survey. All you do is you give us your name, uh, or really any name, I don't care, and you answer questions on who you think is going to live, who you think is going to die, and a couple other little Game of Thrones-related questions. You can win sweet swag. Sweet swag. Yep. And Possibly that con- a sticker? Possibly a Gimme Five podcast t-shirt, or maybe your option of getting a genuine Game of Thrones t-shirt that, that was drawn by our resident artist, Jimmy. And it, the, the art is beautiful. Rob, have you seen the art on the that Jimmy I, drew for Game of Thrones? I, I have seen Stunning. It brought a tear to my eye. It brought several tears to my eyes. Did well, you guys, you know, I really appreciate that. I've been uh, working in MS Paint since I was um, a couple of years old. And obviously you can tell that my skills have progressed throughout the years. Mm-hmm. So uh, there might possibly be another one dropping tomorrow. So I am, what? I am shaking with anticipation. Well, that's, so much to say there. Yeah. I'm not even touching <laughs> that one. So should we get into it guys? Let's do it. Let's dive on in. All right. So as Greg and Rob and myself said, our contest is still going on because here's the first major spoiler of the night. No major characters died in episode two of season eight. So guys, you know what that means? All your favorite characters are going to die next week. That's right. (laughs) As I said to my wife. And in fact, I don't I don't think anybody died last night. No, 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 no. Like no character died. Maybe somebody who was like off camera like helping set up maybe there was an unfortunate accident mm-hmm. but no major characters yeah as i said to my wife I'm like if they had a speaking part in tonight's episode they're probably gonna die in the next episode that little girl is goner oh uh <laughs> the little the the crypt protector no, well, yes oh really uh the one that's like i want to help out yeah yeah when liana mormont mm-hmm. i don't want to see liana mormont die But the question is, is will she kill her a White Walker? I think so. So let's we will get into, you know, all these predictions as we go throughout. So let's just get it started. Uh, Jamie Lannister is in Winterfell and he is kind of standing before the council, if you will, uh, answering for his past indiscretions, you know, like killing Daenerys's dad. Oh, Pushing Br- uh, Bran out of a window so he Whoops. could have sex with his sister. Um, <laughs> I'm so terrible. What do you say? Assaulting like Ned Stark in the streets. 
Um, God, what else did he do? Well, he raped his own sister, uh, but people seem to forget that. Yeah, yeah. Did did a lot of not cool things. Um, so it's such a double standard. But he uh, um, he looks so damn good in his golden armor. I mean, not he's not wearing the golden armor anymore. But you know what I'm saying. He he looks he cuts a um a dashing figure. If I might, if I do say so myself, he does. he does. But now he is not the same Jamie Lannister, and he tries to make that point. He certainly looks it. Uh, he's got some scruff going on. He's not the you know regal golden armored knight anymore he just wants to as he said fight for the living now his fate was decided on i thought it was a little weird it was like everybody's well, like we want to kill him i don't well but in all honesty i don't know that i had that much of a problem with it because as as he states he came because he knew and believed that the threat was real and he wanted to fight and he knew that his sister wasn't sending anybody. And by the way, that's how they find out that Cersei's not going to. Because without without Jamie there, they would not have known that Cersei had no intention of sending no one. Also, I think that in this world, as we kind of see later, the word of someone who is entrusted to guard someone like Brienne means a lot more mm-hmm. than just like today. Like, oh, I'll pick you up at the airport. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when as yeah. soon as she vouched for, like, I this person... You know, I I am supposed to protect Sansa, and I vouch for this person. I think that kind of changed at least Sansa's mind. Yeah, absolutely. And and that, by the way, is how Jamie basically gets off. They're they're talking about all the evil things they want to do to him, and Brienne steps up and basically vouches for burn him. him. And says, <laughs> look, he he's he is a different he is a different man. He saved me when they were going to when we were taking prisoner and they were going to rape me. He saved me at the expense of his own hand. Mm-hmm. So it saving her basically cost him is what she says. I, I don't know that that's 100% true, but mm-hmm. you know, that's it's, it's close enough. And, and they, they make a good point. They, they basically need every sword arm they can get. <laughs> yep. Even if it's just one. Yeah. Right. So, so that takes us out of the uh, his sword back to him. Yep. Yeah. So looks like Jamie's going to be joining the fight. He's he's one of the good guys now. I mean, he kind of has been. Kind of. I I like Jamie so much better as a good guy. Yeah. I think it's designed that way, but yeah. you know. Uh there's a little bit more information that comes up within it's not in the same room, which by the way was I believe the Littlefinger room, correct? Where they tried him. That's yeah. where they killed him. So yeah. I had fond feelings of that room. Uh the other thing that happened afterwards was Danny kind of learning about Loses the uh, the golden army and urine's fleet mm-hmm. <laughs> yep mm-hmm. yeah so knowing that like think about that you're heading into a battle where you really feel like you're gonna get trounced and knowing that oh yeah but that's only one of probably a few that would suck even worse yeah it's it's like pouring salt into the- uh, yeah because everybody expects to die anyway so with that unsettling news, let's move on to uh, w- w- what's your name for this session, Rob? Arya, you horn dog. Yeah, so we got all hungry eyes yeah. watching Gendry. Uh, Gendry's down there busting his ass with the dragon glass that rhyme. Hungry eyes, they're watching you. Yeah, so she's um, you she's know, got some plans. She yeah, she does. So she's. Asking about her weapon, I was a little disappointed with, but she's trying to get information from 
Gendry, she's asking him, you know, how many White Walkers have you killed? What do they look like? What do they smell like? What do they do? Gendry's just kind of, you know, leave me alone. Let me, you know, I got a lot of work to do. But um, Arya convinces him with some throwing knives that her weapon should be a priority. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know who type who who wrote this, but you are absolutely correct. She would make a great darts partner. Uh, that would be me. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Arya sticks a knife in a like a wooden door frame, and then sticks another one next to it, and then kind of sticks one in between the two of them, and casually. And yeah, she's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we haven't had a draft. That's not fair. <laughs> she kind of channeled uh, uh, some of her training there, like not just what she was doing, but the way she started talking. There's a, there was a little bit of Jacqueline Hagar or like a little bit of the the faceless yeah. in her tone of voice, which I thought was kind of neat. It's a yeah. it's a reminder that oh yeah, and and I'm gonna go ahead and say that as good as last episode was for like for like emotional payoffs, this episode was so much better. I mean you you had so many so many relationships between the characters, essentially paying dividends. Mm -hmm. At this point where, where it's like all of the storylines are kind of tying up, you really kind of feel like, like the next one is going to be the end of the line for a lot of them. But, but this episode was absolutely fantastic for not having anybody die. There were a lot of genuinely touching scenes. Just like cozy scenes. Like I would have loved to be at that fireside chat. Oh my God. That was awesome. But we'll get to that. So speaking of interpersonal relationships paying off, we finally get the discussion between Bran and Jamie. Jamie approaches yep. Bran while he's sitting in the Weirwood uh, garden, I guess. The garden of the Weirwood or whatever it is. And yeah. they have they have an interesting little conversation. The Jamie Weirdwood. Yeah. Jamie finds out how odd Bran has become. A little weirdo in Weirdwood. Yeah, there's some there's some stuff. Yeah, like well, there's the whole like the things we do for Love Line, which happened earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. But there's also him like Letting Jamie know, kind of like, it's not that I forgive you, it's just that it doesn't matter anymore because I'm something new, I'm something different. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the things I really liked about this scene, and he didn't actually come out and say it, but in the previous scene where he's basically standing trial, he says, you want me to apologize for any of that? No, I won't. I did what I did for my family, blah, 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 blah. I'd do it again. And I'd do it again. And in the very next scene, he starts off by apologizing to Bran. And it's it's almost like he realizes that is the one that that is one of the if not the only thing that he actually feels wrong. And and I love that that I mean they don't really kind of say that but that's kind of what I get from it. And and I love that he's grown as a character to the point where he can actually Yeah, and Bran almost makes it seem like the whole reason that they're all where they're at right now is cuz Jamie pushed him out of a window so he could bang his sister. <laughs> And and while Jamie does apologize, Bran kind of throws that up at his face, and he says anything for our family or anything for the love of our families or whatever. I don't I don't remember the exact line, but Bran kind of throws that in his face in his Bran not being offensive way, just kind yeah. of yeah, kind of matter of fact. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. Bran's certainly not in control anymore. So then we move on from there, and we get more emotional payoff between Tyrion and Jamie. Yeah, they uh, they finally have got a little time for conversation, and uh, they're up kind of talking on the wall, uh, talking about how um, Tyrion 
<laughs> you know, this isn't how he wanted to die. He had a very particular vision for himself. <laughs> whoremongering. Uh, whoremongering, yeah, basically. And Jamie says, you know, hey, that's still an option. And Tyrion's and just like, nah. No, no, it's not. It's not me anymore. You He's know, there's a lot too. Yeah, there's there's just so much finality to every conversation because every conversation is like, well, we're going to die. So it's a nice uh, little duality to, you know, where the whole series started and where they are now and the difference from, as I said before, shining golden armor and, you know, royalty arriving to huddled in the mud in the cold awaiting your death. And then pledging to fight for Brienne is what Jamie does next. So he kind of yeah. trails off the conversation. Tyrion's yeah, there was, just kind of uh, like going on. There was one actually other line that I kind of liked in this part, the Tyrion and sure. Jamie thing. Uh, the at least Cersei won't murder me part of it that Tyrion says. Um, yeah. Like, it's like, well, at least Cersei's not going to kill me, and that'll kind of feel good as I'm being ripped apart by dead men. I just thought that was line was so, like, <laughs> ah, there's my Tyrion. Yes. Now, one of the things I love about this next sequence, the the Jamie and Brienne sequence, he goes down to talk to her, and and she can't believe that one he's not insulting her. Um, but then Jamie actually offers or requests he doesn't he doesn't offer he requests to actually serve under her command in the coming. Mm, yeah, um, he recognizes that he's not the knight that he once was. But the other thing that that I kind of see here is, I mean, I, I think we all agree that Brienne is comfortable with Jamie. I think so. I think that's and, been evident for a long time. Torment doesn't have her heart. No. And what what I find interesting is that I don't really feel that Jamie returns that, but I think that Jamie admires Brienne because he sees in Brienne the knight that he wishes he was. As honorable as what she is and how committed to her morals and values that she is, he sees her as being a even though she's not technically a knight at this, he sees her and envies the the essentially the knight this, and I think I, I think that really kind of comes out in or am I alone? In it? No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I agree with that. So Brienne is tasked with uh, leading the what left flank? Yes. So mm-hmm. one one could assume that Jamie will be there with her. Yeah. So we're still waiting on the White Walkers. We we still have so many conversations to get through, and now we have one that's been uh, kind of. Well, it seems like it's been ready to boil over for a while, but it was just you know one episode basically. Uh, Danny decides to pop in and have a little chat, clear things up with Sansa, mm-hmm. and uh, that doesn't go how Danny expected. I thought it was a little funny, like just a little too modern. Or she's like, oh, we have a lot of like. It's uh, men don't like being ruled by women. And I was like, wow, that's a... And again, I, you know me, I'm the one that likes that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, that's a... Like, I, I, as I, you saw in the notes, I put just hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. But I was like, uh, like if that's the... That's about as silly of a com- of a connection point as saying, you know, my name is... My mom's name is Martha too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of other things they could have probably uh, gone into first. But... Yeah, so not to get too out of order here, but this this is kind of to Jorah Marmont's insistence mm-hmm. that he go in and, or that she go in and try and patch things up. Yeah, um, she also or Jorah, I'm sorry, is not a woman. He says to her, basically, "You chose the right person in the hand. I was heartbroken. 
because I'm super duper in love with you and everybody knows it. And I always will be. He didn't quite say that, but <laughs> he said it with his eyes. But he has like a notebook at <laughs> home with JM plus DT equals true love forever written on it 4,000 times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Exactly. So, um, you know, Cersei's always kind of resented Tyrion and that's, you know, a conversation we'll have here in a little bit. But that led into the conversation between, you know, the two ladies of Winterfell, um, Danny and Sansa. And, you know, everything seems kind of cool. Danny puts her hand on Sansa's and they're just kind of, you know, kicking it and everything's going well. It was a good well, reversal. I think, good. I, I think once they got once they got the elephant in the room out of the way, they realized uh, that yeah. they had they realized that they had a lot more in common that than than, you know, they needed fighting about yeah sansa is worried that she's manipulating john and she basically tells sansa she's like look i'm i i had every intention of going to king's landing and taking over the throne but instead i'm here fighting your brother's war who manipulated who (laughs) basically and she basically it was it at this point that she kind of admits that she that she's in love with john to sansa Yeah, yeah 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 And it's like, well, I love your brother. And she's like, oh, I just want to see my brother happy. And then it's kind of like, oh, good. We're all in agreement. Yeah. The, uh, and then Sansa says, well, what happens to us? What happens to the North? And before that question gets answered, there's someone that arrives that we haven't seen in a while. That would be, uh, Theon. Well, we've seen him, but they haven't. Yeah. And, and as much as I, as I've hated Theon in the past, I loved this scene. Uh, it was just so like full circle moment. They haven't seen each other in such a long time. Theon was, you know, a ward of Winterfell. He was basically given to them to be, you know, not really adopted, but raised as kind of as punishment. And now he feels that his place to be is Winterfell protecting his, I'll say adopted family there. And, uh, even though he like took it over and then he was yeah. a real, ass for a while and then he has wiener cut off (laughs) but but then but then also the the last time that sansa saw theon was when theon was helping her escape from ramsey bolton yep so he he risked his life to get sansa out of there because he's in trouble and sansa hasn't forgotten and so when she walks in and sees theon it's this like tears brimming and she runs up and just hugs him and he's like well he comes in and he's like we're here to fight for winterfell if you'll have us and they ask yeah. about where yara is and he says she's taking back the iron islands uh euron can't defend it he's with the golden company the iron the iron islands i thought he said the iron nylons <laughs> yes the iron <laughs> nylons that's hot that's that's so, metal man but but he's there because he feels like he needs to fight for Winterfell, and Sansa just runs to him. Yeah, it was I, a really sweet. I love that scene. <clears throat> yeah, we haven't seen, you know, Sansa really be emotional in a, in a long time. She's really become pretty hardened as the the. Yeah, she's been the keeper of Winterfell for. She's had to make some really tough decisions. So moving back outside in Winterfell, we have the porridge line, and man, does that soup look appetizing. That bread looks so good. Anyhow, uh, you got, you know, every able-bodied man is basically drafted into the army and you got a couple of guys walking through the line. They tell Davos, they're like, dude, we can't fight. 
He's like, neither can I, but we're going to do it anyway. We're mm-hmm. probably going to die. And you got this adorable little girl who comes up after these guys are like, okay, fine. And she's got some kind of like burn on the side of her face. So, you know, she, while it looks more like a burn, Rob, you, you said, yeah, um, I, I didn't think it was the grayscale because I've, I've heard a couple of people say that it looked like she had the grayscale, like uh Shireen Baratheon did mm-hmm. the girl who, who basically was very close with Sir Davos taught him how to read, but it, it, it looked like she, it just looked more like burns. But I, I definitely think that Davos saw Shireen. Yeah, definitely. And I think this line that they were doling out food was only for people who were going to fight. And this little girl comes up and she kind of sticks her bowl up. She's tiny. She's like two and a half feet tall. And she goes, you know, let me get my war meal. I'm going to fight yeah. too. <laughs> and and what I love about that scene is the complete dichotomy of the, the grown man being completely scared out of his mind saying, I can't do this. I don't know how to fight, blah, blah, blah. And the five-year-old little girl comes up and she's like, give me a sword. I'll fight. I'll do it. I don't want to be stuck in the crypts with all the other people. She could be like Yoda yeah. for all we know. Flipping around and shit. Yeah, exactly. But I guess we'll never find out because super sweet, sweet, sweet Gilly shows up and convinces the girl that her services are needed in the crypt. Uh, she says, you know, I'd much rather have you down there protecting me and my son and the little girl. It, it's her argument has worked. Yes. The little girl agrees to uh, protect everyone down in the crypt. So I thank God we don't have to see that little tiny kid get her head cut off. I think here's the time to talk about a flaw in their plan that I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it really the best idea to send people to a crypt when the person <laughs> you are facing can rise the dead? All right. So I've heard this fan theory. Don't they have like giant statues? Like, I don't think that's going to be going to be an issue at all. Although it could, because you see, you know, scenes of Arya in the next episode, she's, I think, very clearly running through the crypts, mm-hmm. scared of something. Because mm-hmm. my like, thought was... Like, that, wild eyes, like, ah! My thought was, are they going to... Is like, is this the type of show that's going to do the thing that the other shows have done where you see the zombified version of a character that was a main character? And I was, like, kind of thinking, like, well, where would that make sense other than, like, the giant and the dragon... And uh, we're we're about what five hundred or so days since that dragon thing happened, and my wife still swears at Rob every time. Yeah, I mean, even his, it's not his even fault. his fault. She totally does. She, she totally. Does. And she literally every time Game of Thrones comes up, she's like, I just don't understand why Rob is allowed back in this house. <laughs> but beyond that, I, you know, I was thinking that and I was uh, like, well, who's who is dead that we would see? And I'm like, oh shit, like is Rob Stark or like are they going to do some sort of weird cameo? Like I, it seems a little. F- fan servicey and in a way cheesy but at the same time it's a legitimate concern and then i was like oh shit that's where everyone is show up but, and do a thriller by michael jackson that'd then, be awesome but then the other the other thing it, how how does the lore work in this if you remove the head does does the zombie die because I... because both of them were beheaded so i don't know how rob stark that, was yeah rob stark because ned remember stark they, was ned stark was but remember they they cut rob's head off and stapled his wolf's head to his body Okay, so yeah, so we're good there. So no, well, he could come back as a wolf man, <laughs> a wolf zombie man. Well, zombie I would like to man. see that in other movies and or TV shows. Wolf man, zombie cop, uh, maybe not this one. But anyway, yeah, let's I, continue. I, I, sure, I don't, I don't think it really. I don't think it's going to happen. I think maybe I think somebody will get down there. 
I th- I think the Crips will become a slaughterhouse, but I don't know you if it'll so? be because uh, I don't know if it'll be because of the Crips themselves. I think there just won't be any way out, and they're gonna end. because Rob doesn't want us to have anything nice. Yep. Speaking so, of things that are nice, what's that? I, I want to talk about Tormund arriving and oh. hugging the hell out of John like he was Terry Tate off his linebacker. I I have to say that this was the one jump scare that got me. <laughs> Even though it wasn't a scare, he just came out of nowhere and it was like, what the hell? And his eyes are blue. And says what we what we all are thinking for him. The big woman's still here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go get her, Tormund. So we yeah, we find out the the fate of Tormund and Sticky Ricky. So it's time to uh try and devise a plan to combat the Night King's army. And John reveals that, hey, you know, if we uh, if we kill the Night King, maybe uh, maybe we got a chance here. And well, how do we get to him? There's no way they're gonna reveal him. And Bran says, "Yeah, he's gonna come after me." So we're gonna all use. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> if you remember back a long time ago when Bran was on one of his his peyote trips, um, the Night King grabbed him through some kind of time continuum black hole or whatever stargate of some sort ninja stuff yeah Yeah. and uh burnt hit the impression of his hand onto bran's arm so bran is marked the night king knows where bran is all the time and basically if the three-eyed raven dies then all of humanity's existence memories or whatever dies with him like the history of Mm -hmm. life i think something along those lines so yeah so is bran Rob, you're the Disney person. Uh, is Bran basically a human version of like the Epcot Globe ride? Essentially, yes. Yeah. Okay. Spaceship. It's called Earth. Spaceship Earth. Yeah. He's Spaceship Westeros. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's all That's I need to know. Very good way of putting it. Yeah. Bran explains that the Night King wants Eternal Night, and if he wins, he'll have it. So the plan is let's just stick Bran in his wheelchair in the middle of the weird wood. We're going to dangle a carrot. Yeah. So I think Bran might know something that we don't know. There might be some power there that makes the Night King more susceptible to getting killed. But we don't know because no one's ever tried before. Theon steps up and says, hey, man, I'll I'll be there with him. So it looks like we're going to have Theon and the kid in the wheelchair uh, just waiting for the Night King. He said he'd the, bring the, uh, the, the Ironborn Iron as well. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, John says to everyone... We can't be too far when this happens. We need to stay within reach, uh, but also at the same time that we're not close enough that the Night King goes, hey, this is a trap. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, you see on the table there, they got the little chess pieces set up and, you know, there's our, our plans for the war have been established. So what's what do we have left to do? Let's all get super drunk and have sex with each other. <laughs> Essentially. Wait, us? No. Not us. Oh, the characters. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, we do have a few characters that you get the feeling, at least from common uh, conversations here, that they're they're being shown on screen because the next time you see them, they're going to die. Yep. Yeah. So like and, uh, Grey and, Worm and Miss Sandy. Yeah. Are, like, totally what, what, made where me are we going next? My vote totally made me want to change my. Yeah. You know they're making plans for after the battle, and that's never a good thing. That's, no, they're they're totally goners, or at least Grey Worms. Are. That's about as likely a sign of death as someone saying, "Like, well, I'm just going to take this one last case before my retirement." Or I'll be right back. 
Yeah, that's oh. all those things. Hold my beer, man. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that next episode, I guarantee it. Yeah. So, yeah, they have their little conversation, and yeah. Rob thinks that now he's going to die. Actually, uh, a couple people I was with said that as well. He's going to super die. Yeah, he's super. It's way, like, he's like three and a half feet in the grave right now. Yeah. And we got a few days, you know, before the next episode, so. But... But while Grey Worm is making plans to survive the battle, Sam is trying to ensure that he doesn't survive the battle. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's basically given them his best Jack Nicholson. Um, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Because he's like, did you forget? I'm the only one. I was the first one to kill a White Walker. I did this. Yep. I did that. I can do it. Why are you sending me into the crypt? Sam, shut up. Go to the crypt. But I, I, I take... Gilly, hop on a dragon, fly south, and just live. Yeah, yes. but he stole some books, guys. He's yeah, badass. yeah. Let's worry about those books. And he gives his family sword to Jorah Mormont because he can't even hold it upright, and yeah. it is Valerian steel. Yep. Yeah. That admission was funny though, where Jorah was, was like, yeah. "No, you keep it, you keep it." And finally, he had to tell him, "I can't even lift it. I can't even hold it up." And Jorah kind of smiles at him. Takes the sword, pulls it out, looks at it. Like, okay, it's a nice sword. Yeah, this will work. Too bad he's not going to have it for very long because Jorah's also super dead. Super dead. Way dead. Is, will I be right and have... I don't want him to be dead. I don't either, but he already he already basically said his goodbyes to Daenerys when, when he went and told her that she picked one Tyrion. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so uh, here's the actual like brother-to-brother conversation where they're talking about one of them being into into prostitutes and the other one being a uh, a golden lion so one of them was a golden lion and the other was a drunken whoremonger and uh you know as he says i was sleeping with my sister and you had only one friend in the world and that person was sleeping with the sister <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, that was a that was a funny line that had everybody uh in the room laughing for sure and this is where like the the nice warm cozy part happens because they're all sitting in a room Brienne arrives, Davos arrives, they're all sitting around a fire, some of them are drinking, some of them are not, some of them start not drinking, and then they decide to drink. Hold, hold on, hold on. What was this with Podrick and Brienne running in and going, we we were uh uh we were just uh uh looking for somewhere warm. Do you believe that? Do you think that maybe the famed Sir Podrick Payne and Brienne were gonna magical, get it on? Like eleven no. foot long penis? No, you don't I don't believe thought- that. I thought they were looking for somewhere to practice. Yeah, because like, practice because she's been practicing out in the courtyard, practice like, making like, you'll, babies, you'll get better, kind of thing. No, I don't think there was that. I think, I I think it was working on swordsmanship and whatnot. Gotcha. And they and they came in and and Tyrion offers Podrick a glass of wine, and Brienne tells him, "No, you can't have wine. Their battle will be starting soon." And Podrick looks at her all like a puppy dog, and she's like, "Okay, half a glass." And he walks over to Tyrion, and Tyrion is draining the the carafe into his cup. It's overflowing, and he's kind of shoving it over. The mm-hmm. <laughs> that scene was that was one of the two funniest scenes in this episode. I thought that was hilarious. And Podrick's looking at him like, oh. <laughs> and so everybody's going to be either drunk or hungover for the battle. Yeah, yeah. which I guess it doesn't matter because you're going to die anyway. Yeah, and then uh, Tormund arrives and is finally in the same room and not in some sort of battle situation with the big woman. The big woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brienne and of Tarth. And he is laying it on thick. Yeah. Like, I you loved, know, well, loved his story about his name. 
Oh, <laughs> oh man. Fantastic. <laughs> oh. Like, I, I killed a giant when I was 10 years old, and then I went home to his house and climbed into bed with his wife where she suckled me on her teeth. Because she thought I was her baby. Yeah, and that's how I got big and strong. Tormund reminded me of, like, uh, I might actually be this person, but, like, everyone has that friend that they keep around because of the weird shit that they say, but, like, then eventually you accidentally get that friend mixed up, like, with mixed company, like, another group of friends, and you realize just how much of a problem it is. You're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's crazy. And then they meet a new group of your friends, and you're like, oh, shit, this person's crazy. <laughs> the, the hilarious thing is, is I think you are that friend, but I think that I might be that friend for you. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, like, I've, I've had a few of those friends. I'm like, oh, this person is probably not someone I want to introduce to my coworkers, but they say weird shit, so they're funny. But mm -hmm. anyway, so but I, uh, loved, I love Tormund's game. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it, I, don't, I still don't think it worked. No, she's not buying it. She looks at him kind of horrified, actually, when he tells yeah. the story. She's like, yeah. oh, God. Then we get, after that, one of the, I guess, sweetest moments of the episode that doesn't involve two naked people. And Tormund asks why Brienne isn't a knight. And Brienne says, well, it's tradition. He goes, fuck tradition. Yeah. If, if, if I, if you were my, in my kingdom, I'd knight you 10 times over or something like that. Yeah. Which and he says it with kind funny. of a leering look. So it was kind of sexual innuendo. Yeah. So we have this realization from Jamie that, you know, it doesn't require a king or a queen to knight someone. And that any knight can do it. So why don't one of you guys tell me what happens next? And I have to say, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I think he's doing it just for Brienne's sake. Because I don't I don't think just go around. I mean, could could like Sir Elton John make I, his boyfriend a knight? Uh, I mean, a different world. I, so. <laughs> I was like, come on, no. I I felt like he was doing it just to make Brienne feel better. And and it worked. It worked. Yeah, it amazingly. certainly worked. And it, but, it made a couple of people in the room that I was watching it cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he calls oh. Brienne over and tells her to kneel. She's reluctant at first, but he's like, do you want to be a knight? And so she comes over and she kneels and he knights her. And just just the emotion on her face, fantastic. I mean, Good she acting. was, oh, she was, she was fantastic. borderline tears borderline tears and you know it was it was it was bringing everybody else in it's it's okay rob well no it's not okay it's not gonna be okay because she's probably gonna die next episode. <laughs> everybody's dying. she is right out in front of her flank mm, it's not looking good but it was a sweet moment it really it was. was it was oh, wait very, a second very i just found a history a historical blog uh -oh. okay in the past all mentions of someone being knighted come with reference to a king doing it so is what Jamie did there, knighting Brynatorth, actually legal? The answer is a resounding yes. Any oh. knight can, in fact, make another knight. It's just not a thing that's done because knights don't typically want to just go around knighting folks willy-nilly because other knights would not generally happy about it. And in theory, it would dilute the concept of knighthood. Knighthood is a symbol of status, and um, knights love to hold themselves above others in any way. Well, that is absolutely fantastic then. I, I mean, I loved the moment to begin with. I, I didn't need that. But... I'm A lot of people like that, and I'm guessing a lot of people had that question because as I typed in, can any K-N-I, it automatically completed with knight make another knight. <laughs> so clearly nice. a lot of people recently Googled that, and we'll find out a little more about Google in a little bit. We're going to talk about the history of Google? Yeah. All right, cool. Continue. That 
brings us to the moment that everybody's talking about, guys. Well, not yet, unless you're talking about the the conversation on top of the wall. Yeah, Hound, the Hound and Arya. They, yeah, sharing a drink and they chat and again. And then Bernice shows up, and mm-hmm. there's this conversation there. You know, um, Beric Tadarian extends his hand. What I thought was a handshake, but he was just like, "Give me the wine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like, th- oh. there wasn't a whole lot on this scene because Arya's kind of become the strong silent type. But the the scene ends with her going, "I've got better places to be than sitting around here with you, miserable bastards." And she yeah. gets up and walks out. I think she calls them old. <laughs> One yeah. was like, "I'm not that old." And then uh, and they yeah, look they... at each other like, "Well, yeah, okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's some there's some insults there about the Lord of Light. How he's not here. And... He brought you back 19 times. He's not going to bring you back for a 20th time just to see you die again. Something like, yeah, he's like, he won't bring you back. He didn't bring you back the last time because I was just to watch me throw you over the wall. Yeah. So don't start a sermon. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But again, hearkening back to season one, Arya goes down to practice her bow and arrow, which I think she did early on in the, in the series as well. Right. In that same courtyard. Yeah. And that's when, uh, when, uh, what's this for the shitty little blonde shithead? Uh, was like making fun of her or something when Joffrey. Was, yeah, Joffrey. Thank you. The shitty yeah, but, little blonde shithead. Yeah, that guy. But that, but that was also where the master at arms of the castle uh, came out, and I think he gave her a point or something, or he was talking to her about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss him. I liked him. She goes down there, and and there's Gendry. He comes out to talk to her. But she's been looking at Gendry with those hungry eyes like all episode, and finally he kind of shows up, and they're alone. I think we're so <laughs> they they start talking. And I don't even remember what the first part of the out. They were talking about her weapon, I guess. And and Gendry kind of reveals that he is Robert Baratheon's bastard because he was taken prisoner by the by the priestess of light, Melisandre. And and she and she was like, well, what happened? And he's like, oh, well, you know, it, she said, I have, you know, something about him being with her. And he was like, no, man, she stripped me naked and put leeches on me. She just wanted my blood. And, <laughs> yeah. And she was like, really? And, and and she's kind of circling him at this point, kind of like a cat in a canary. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of just circling him, kind of staring at him. And and she starts asking about like, well, have you ever been with a woman? And he's like, well, I... And he's getting kind of flustered. And he finally admits to having been with three women. And she's standing there and she's set her bow down at this point, And she's slowly taking off her gloves. And I'm going, oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, and- I believe uh, I, Sophie Turner is, is going to chime in here. We have Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. She plays Sansa, and uh, she had this to say. In honor of Easter, I guess Game of Thrones wanted the storyline to have a little Easter bunny hop, hop, hopping into that pussy. <laughs> and that's the tea. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Sophie. We really appreciate okay. your commentary on yeah, that. Uh, However she's, inappropriate. She's She's gone already. She just popped in to say that, and she left because I don't think she wanted to talk about it anymore. But she did. Thank you for calling in, Sophie. There you go. So she kind of she kind of just seduces Gendry completely, and you know she ends up uh, kind of assaulting him, so to speak. And and I have to admit that this was where the best line of the night came from, and it had nothing to do, or it had nothing. It was not part of the script. It was not part of Game of Thrones. But when I texted Greg later in the evening and said, you know what, after this episode, I totally want to change my vote for first death to Grey Worm. I'm leaving it Jorah, but I wanted to change my vote to Grey Worm just because it's so obvious that he's going to die. 
Greg texted me back and said, I'm pretty sure Gendry died tonight because Arya tore that ass up. I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I win the T-shirt, right? Or no, the sticker. I, I, I think you should get a sticker, yes. There you go. Well, sticker I have for Greg. Here, so. No. Well, you won. There we go. Congratulations. Awesome. It was... But I had, I, I'm sorry, but I had no idea that that line actually effing worked. The world's <laughs> going to end tonight. Let's do it. Wait, what? Tor- Tormund tried it on Brienne. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That didn't work. And the other little thing I, I saw today or I looked up was the number one Google search last night. Do you know Do you know what that was? How old is how Arya? Old, yeah. Yeah. How old is Arya Stark? <laughs> or how, how old is Maisie Williams? It was first how old is Arya and how old is Maisie Williams? Because we actually first saw Maisie Williams at 11 years old and now she is 22. And I thought she was 14. Was it 11? No, she, was, she was, she was 11 according to, to some website, but yeah, because I know the guy that plays Gendry is 31. And I was like, oh my God, that's got to be so awkward. And then I realized, oh, we've been watching Maisie Williams for like nine years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of people looking that up. And like, I read 14 as well. Okay. Well, someone someone wrote it was 11, but I could be wrong. Or they could be wrong. But yeah, so so we're still thinking of Maisie as that 11 or 14-year-old that started the show. And not as the 22-year-old woman that she is. But yes. Just next to Gendry, she looks so young. She totally does. And I was like, oh. A, 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 little, a little cringeworthy. But hey, I mean... When it comes to this show, we're okay with incest. So, I mean, what's a little pedophilia? Oh, God, I saw. I feel no, dirty for saying right. that. I'm oh, sorry. No, that's wrong. No. But she is 22. So. Uh, she was 14 during the second season. Uh, okay. Uh, they started filming when she was 11, and she turned 12 by the time it came out, season one. Okay. And actually, after that is when we had the conversation between Sam and Jorah where he offers up the family sword. What was it? Mm-hmm. Hearts, Heartsbane? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So we, we have to address, you know, the thing that we've been dodging the whole episode. Um, not, not that we have. Wondering, but, wondering if they were going to touch on it and we got cheated out of it. Uh, we so did. <laughs> uh, so down in the crypt, Danny and John, are looking at a picture or looking at the mon the crypt for uh Leanna Stark. Leanna Stark. Mm-hmm. And Danny says, I can't believe that my brother, everything that I've heard about my brother was that he was so righteous and just. I can't believe that he raped her. And John's like, she didn't. Yeah, or he didn't. John, yeah, John can't hold it in anymore. And he tells her basically that that he didn't rape her. They married in secret. They had a child. Oh, and by the way, I'm that child, and I was given to I was given to my uncle Ned Stark to protect me, and I only found out about it. And Danny's like, "Well, who told you?" And he's like, "Bran and and Sam." And she's like, "Well, don't you just find that a little bit convenient that your brother and your best friend are the ones who provide this information?" He's like, "But I feel like it's true." Yeah, he he knows it's true, and and you know what? I I think Danny knows. I I think she doesn't want to accept it, but I think she. And then that's about it. Because that's the, like the horns uh, blow and the White Walkers are outside. Yep. And you're like, shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, like slap or anything. No. Oh, damn. It's like an hour and eight minutes. This episode was like an hour and nine minutes. Mm-hmm. So you knew you were out of time. They're 
they're up on the wall. Basically, they they see what's coming, and John's like, "Go do whatever you got to do." She's like, "All right, fine." So that's presumably to jump on a dragon. Yeah. Well, and and I kind of feel like the look that she gave him as she was walking past him on the wall, kind of. It, well, it, it to me, it kind of felt like like she knew it was true, but she didn't want to believe it. That that whole damn it. Ah, I'm being usurped kind of thing, but but I can't deny it kind of thing. And John really still has not shown any desire to be the king at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I just wanted him to tell her. He's like, I already gave up my claim. I'm with you. Yeah. I know yeah. it's all, I know it's all <laughs> incesty, but, you know, whatever. You know, we'll make it work. <laughs> Auntie. Because <laughs> she says, well, that means you would have a stake to the throne. And you're just waiting for John to go, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. He I doesn't seem to, to want it. I don't want it. He just wants to live in Winterfell. Yeah. That's all he wants. I can't see that changing between now and the end of the season. But he's just, unless Danny dies, which is, and then, then which maybe. Is what, he, what who predicted? Uh, you, right? Yeah. Was it me? Yeah. So no, it if, was me. I predicted if, that Daenerys was going to die and John was. If, if Danny dies, and I think it's likely, she dies and John says, well, there's nobody else better to take the throne, so I might as well. And just be the best king I can be. Well, that that's our episode, but I, I have one little thing to bring up here because we haven't really talked about it all that much. I think all of us. Well, Rob, you might be a little different, but don't oh, really, I'm very different. Well, it's a lot. Different. I think a lot of us don't really talk too much about the prophecy side of things with this show. Like I'm mm-hmm. personally, I like the the manipulations and the the maneuvering and the battle scene mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not really big on the more mystical stuff like the red woman and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But so do you guys know about the Azor, Azai or Azor Ahai thing? That's the, John's name, right? No. Well, the prince who would be promised. Yeah. It's the prompt. The prince who would be promised. And it's basically back in the, a long, long, long time ago, the, the forest folk who as this one thing I saw basically described them as like elves that were battling against the white walkers. There was a, a prince that had a sword, I believe it's Lightbringer, yeah, Lightbringer, mm-hmm. uh, which was a flaming sword that had been tempered with the uh, with power after the this guy stabbed through the heart of his wife, and so it's the prince who's promised. Now, there's a lot of different theories about who this might be, and some people are saying that there is there's something about a shooting star involved, and there was a shooting star in the um, the opening sequence this time. On the ring, so it's on the ring that flies by really close to the camera, and there's now a shooting star. Sure, wasn't a lens flare? Uh, was it a lens flare? No, like it was etched on the thing. Oh, and it's it's going over some dragons. So one of the things that they've always been very careful to say whenever you read anything about this is that a prince doesn't have to be a male, or a, it doesn't have to be a male. So it could be a male or a female. It's gender neutral. Yeah, right? gender neutral. So people are saying, well, maybe it's Danny. Um, you know. Was she born under the bleeding star? Um, and like all these things, like there's things that are said, uh, you're born amidst salt and smoke, all that kind of stuff. So there's that. It could be the thing I heard a lot of people saying was that it's going to be uh, uh, Jamie, that he'll be the prince that's promised because all of the all of the things that they had to do to temper the sword involved like killing a lion. So he had to like tar- the uh, Targaryens or, or not Targaryens, the... Uh, what are they? The, what is Jamie Lannister? The Lannisters Lannister. are the lions. So he had to like step away from his name. So that was killing the lion. He had to, you know, kill his wife. There's, there's different things in there that, so 
And it's probably, it's still possible that he'd end up killing Cersei. It would involve killing his wife, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Yeah, because there is mention of that prophecy that Cersei is scared that the prophecy will fulfill itself that Tyrion will kill her mm-hmm. when in fact it's Jaime. Yeah. And then, of course, if, you know, supposedly to fulfill that prophecy, you have to kill your lover. So, you know, is it going to be. Danny killing John for whatever reason or the other way around. So it's kind of an interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on. I don't know if it's a way, if it's something we should try to guess on, but there's multiple people in there that could be this if they decide to go that prophecy route. I think that's why the show's so good because there's so many different options, so many different interconnections yeah. that it is hard to guess. However, uh, guys, do you have anything else? I think that pretty much covers the episode. Cool. Yeah. So what I'm going to do here is give you guys our contact information out there. Give me five podcast at gmail.com or you can look at give me five podcast on Facebook and chat with us there. And uh, what else? Oh, you can look at give me five pod for our Instagram and uh, yeah, there's all the ways and, and Twitter, Twitter. And Twitter. Thank you. And of course we have that contest going win cool game of Thrones stuff or give me five podcast stuff and possibly game of Thrones stuff. Uh, not, not possibly. licensed. Although they did try to get in contact with Jimmy to license his lovely artwork. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to brag or anything, but check out our Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. You can see my most recent. Um, let's just call it what it is, masterpiece. And I, you know, might be be posting another one here in the the coming days. So, uh, Game of Thrones producers, if you're out there, I'm still holding out for a little bit more money, but. If you guys are just checking us out for our Game of Thrones episodes, we are 81 episodes into our companion podcast. No, that's not the right word. Main. Our <laughs> main podcast, Give Me Five. So check us out. We talk about pop culture, comic books, books, news, entertainment, all that kind of good stuff. And we, we know way it. too much about Motley Crue. Well, some of us do. One of us does. It's you. It it's, it's you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Honor of Easter, I guess Game of Thrones wanted the storyline to have a little Easter bunny hop, hop, hopping into that pussy. And that's all. It can happen to your family, you all alone.